from from step one, it's hey, you need to prioritize yourself and your health because everything else is affected by that. Whether we think it or not, it is. The more we optimize you as a human being, the more that we're optimizing everything else. Welcome to the Daily Dietitian Podcast. I am your host, Stacey Mitchell. I am so happy to have you here. My goal for this podcast is to break down the latest health topics and help clear the clutter in the messy world of nutrition and fitness. We hope to inspire, educate, and entertain all things wellness. Join us as we talk with experts in their fields on how to feel our best in our own body. Thank you for joining us this week. Today's guest, she has it all. I call her the triple threat. (laughs) Dietitian Colby is a personal trainer and trained professional chef. She helps active former female athletes and current active women unlearn those feelings of control over food, the gym, and help them achieve a balanced life. This is such a wonderful conversation that you don't want to miss. It's so great to have you here with us. Will you introduce yourself and tell everyone who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Stacey, for having me on. So my name is Colby Tebow. I am, in chronological order, a trained chef, dietitian, personal trainer, and now business owner and coach that combines all three of those professional and personal experiences into one lovely present. (laughs) So I work primarily with former female athletes, and that's anything high school plus, anything beyond that. And also what I like to call my everyday female athletes. So that's just everyday current active women in whatever age range, lifestyle, life event that we're going through. Um, And a lot of those clients kind of fill both boxes because being a former female athlete myself, you end up staying active because it's just hardwired into us. So we end up filling both boxes. <laughs> I love it. You are a clear triple threat from the personal training to the dietetics and to the personal chef. Yeah, thank you. I like to definitely think so. <laughs> and so tell us a little bit maybe about each category. And uh, first off, we'll talk about the the chef part of it, uh, what it took with that and uh, how you connect that with nutrition. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I found my love for food first and I was always brought up in a healthy household, cooking in the kitchen with my mom coming from Italian background. So lots of carbs and pasta, which I obviously still love to this very day. Um, so finding my love and passion for food as an art form. So watching Food Network a lot, understanding that there's different purposes for food that aren't just fuel, because that's how I saw it for a long time being a soccer player for 14 years, was that it was fuel, it was for sole performance. But learning that food is an art form and it can be culture, it can be society, it can be connection, it can be all of these amazing things as well. So I, I started my journey with food and got restaurant experience and understood that that was not a long-term solution for the lifestyle I had envisioned for myself. So I 
have dreams for a family and freedom to travel and all of these other things that being a chef long-term does not really coincide with. (laughs) So I kind of had to come back to the drawing board. And it was junior year in high school when the, the student counselors sit you down and say like, okay, what are you doing for the rest of your life? And up until then, I had just thought food. And I did some research schools in my area because I didn't want to go too far from home. I knew that. And found this lovely little school called Johnson Wales University in Providence, Rhode Island. And they had a combined bachelor's degree program that the first two years was strictly culinary arts, lots of six hour labs and kitchens and learning world cuisine and technique and cutting a bunch of tiny carrots. (laughs) So it was those, those two years and then getting accepted into the nutrition program for the last two years. So it was a little bit of a higher standard and grades and dedication. So those last two years was more clinical, more dietetic based and finishing the degree and then understanding that obviously becoming a dietitian was kind of the next step. So went through the whole application process, diecast or dicus, however people say it, <laughs> and getting matched. Um, I got matched to Yale, New Haven, down in Connecticut. So went down there for a year, finished internships, finished my board exam, all of the fun steps. And then did what everyone does and started off at the hospital because we are ingrained to tell each other that we have to get clinical experience. So I said, okay, I'll get clinical experience, but probably knew that long-term it wasn't going to be a good fit for me either. So I had two weeks of training and then COVID happened. So that threw (laughs) a wrench in a lot of the plans. Um, I ended up doing full-time coverage and basically was everywhere and anywhere that my clinical manager needed me to fill in spots, people getting sick, people taking vacation time, people quit because they didn't want to be at the hospital anymore, which I totally get. Um, But I actually ended up covering one of the COVID ICU units for quite some time and being a part of, I was working under the senior dietitian coming up with a really cool prone tube feeding protocol, which was really fun to be a part of in the clinical world. Um, But I remember just sitting down at my desk one day and feeling really unfulfilled and really like lacking purpose. And I Googled, how do you start a nutrition business? And that's day one. (laughs) I filed my LLC a couple weeks later and, did lots of research and lots of Googling and lots of networking as much as I could, asking questions wherever I could. And then it took off from there. So that was last February of 21. So I'm almost, almost two years in um, and now working full time in my business, doing personal training on the side when I kind of want to, just because it's good to get human connection again and, doing personal training in person is more effective and more fun than virtually sometimes, but it's on my own accord now, which is really nice. Um, So that's, that's kind of where we're at now with the business. Wow. That is so much fun to hear and to hear how it kind of grew. What did your 
nutrition and body outlook look like when you were, let's say, um, an athlete? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like I had kind of um, mentioned before that it was more so fuel based and using food as a tool and not understanding the other purposes of it. So that was kind of one piece of the puzzle. But I was also pretty heavily struggling with some disordered eating and some body image issues and not understanding that those weren't normal. I just thought it was part of being a female athlete and that not getting a period was normal and, you know, all of the stigmas that's in female sports. Um, But it was definitely not a good time for my relationship with food or nutrition. And I was definitely using my knowledge against myself almost like the more I learned, the worse it got until I, you know, put some hard and fast work into it and sought help. And therapy was very useful in that. And I still am using that as a tool to this day. And it's definitely come a long way. I don't think it's anything that we ever get rid of, so to speak, but Now I feel like I definitely have the tools and the resources to manage it much better. And not only that, but also taking those experiences and thoughts and behaviors and knowing how I navigated through them and using them with clients now that are experiencing the same things. Um, I think it just makes so much more of an impact when you can talk to someone who's experienced the things that you're going through. Like you're speaking a different language, but the same language at the same time. (laughs) Right. And sometimes I feel like when I bring up something, they're like, yes, exactly. You read my mind. So having the same connections and those same processes really put the two together well. Mm -hmm. For sure. So what are some of like some hiccups that your clients may have uh, at the beginning that you help them? Mm, I feel like hiccup number one is always prioritizing themselves. Like <laughs> they, they make the leap, they make the investment. They, they put that like first step forward and saying, okay, I'm, I'm doing something for me because I know I need to, but it's like, it's almost like a gap between that and actually starting action steps and goals that they're like, Oh my God, I actually have to do this. I actually have to rely on myself and my abilities and not prior obviously there's families and other things that people have to worry about but it's from from step one it's hey you need to prioritize yourself and your health because everything else is affected by that whether we think it or not it is so the more we optimize you as a human being the more that we're optimizing everything else but Step number one is putting yourself first <laughs> and understanding that you're, you're worthy of putting yourself first. And that's, that's something that I go through many months with clients drilling in because it is not an easy thing to figure out and accept. So I think that it's a hiccup that almost continues to hiccup <laughs> the, the more we get invested into ourselves and our health journeys. And there's the more that's on the line and at stake because you've already put work into it to some degree. That That is very eye-opening too to hear because it's probably something that you don't think of. It's like, okay, tell me what to do first. What are my yeah. uh, assignments, so to say? Uh, what do I need to do? But if it's not focusing on you, 
and probably sometimes coming back to that as well with your clients if uh, life and everything gets in the way. Yeah, and it's it's one of the first conversations that I have with them is there's there's three things that I ask of all my clients, and this is before even contracts are signed and payments are taken. It's you need to agree to be coachable and not there's there's a sense of trust, like being coachable and being able to accept direction, which from my clients is very easy for them because they're mostly from the the athlete world. So they're like, yep, cool. Got that hundred percent. And then it's, it's being trusting of not only me and the program that I've built out of my expertise in all of these areas, but also in themselves, knowing that they can do it. So I always say that that commitment is if there's a bump in the road, knowing that we're going to reconstruct the road and we'll figure it out and not just leave the road completely. Like that's not, I'm not letting that be an option. And the last one, I being committed to themselves and the program and knowing that there's flexibility with like, if there's vacations or holidays coming up, but knowing that it's, you know, a set period of time and that we will figure out the commitment in the middle of that. And that probably is sometimes hard for your clients to understand, especially um, with the consistency of whether coming back with the background of, of sports nutrition or just consistent of working out, they probably have it in tuned in their mind to make this as perfect as possible for mm-hmm. and for themselves. Yes. And that it's very funny because the more I do this, the more this pattern gets really solidified and becomes an actual pattern. But I really find that the first, three to four weeks. So the first month, give or take is kind of confusing, kind of, okay, I don't really know what I'm doing. There's a lot of freedom. There's a lot of space in here. There's not numbers to follow. There's not a guide to follow. It's very much figuring out what intuition is and what yourself needs and your goals for the long term and how we get there. And then it's, it's usually a week's time period where they're really struggling again. And they're like, I don't, I feel like I'm doing things wrong. I don't know what's happening. Um, sometimes this is where people get sick, like catch a cold and that just throws a wrench and everything as we know. But it's after that, like first plateau that it's like everything starts to click. And that's what they all say is, I feel like it's, it's clicking. Everything is clicking now because that's when they start to put themselves first. And that's when they, we have a more relationship built now that they're like, okay, I trust what we're doing. They understand the process, how the sessions roll, how everything works on the back end of things with forms and check-ins and all of that. But it's after that first little plateau that they're like, okay, like I, I'm in it now. I get this. Let's, let's continue. Let's go. So I see on your website, you have services talking about nutrition counseling, weight management, focus on the non-diet approach, personal training, and cooking instructions. And with all these different wheels going around, what are your first kind of steps? Do you focus on one? Do you focus on all of them? Or how do you balance it all out? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's almost the beginning of untying a knot. So a lot of clients come to me with this really confusing, really complicated knot of what they've been doing, what they've tried doing. A lot of it is diet culture based. 
So that first process is figuring out how, how do we untie the knot? So we untie the knot, we kind of like rewrite old beliefs or old thought systems around food, exercise, body image, all of those things. And then it's how do we combine all of those things? We talk about weight management from a non-diet approach. So I don't promote weight loss. I don't necessarily promote weight gain. It's more, I, I actually fare more on the side of weight gain for some people because they've been in a journey of not having enough. So figuring out that relationship with weight, but not focusing on numbers and tying our own knot, so to speak, but in a better, like comparing a really messy, dirty knot to a really nice, like boat knot that looks really pretty and really complicated and intricate. But what I always say is my goal for my clients is educating them enough to the point that they can continue this on their own and they don't need me anymore. So making a, a complicated enough knot for them that it doesn't just pull like a shoelace and come untied again and they have to start from square one. Like these are goals and habits that we form that they can sustain for ideally the rest of their lives. I love that. Do you have that in your training or in your work as like untying the knots? Because I am like picturing diet culture, <laughs> messy knots or, or if I have my, my daughters just came to me the other day with a bunch of necklaces that were all tied together and I'm like, oh, oh the worst. <laughs> like that right there is diet culture, right? In your head. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I should. I should definitely create a graphic around that. <laughs> yes. Um, that is that just really hit a key for me. And I'm like, I love that analogy and that picture that I have in my head. That is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's a good, good point. I should definitely put that into a picture. Yes. <laughs> Um, so let's talk about the food part of it. What should people be focusing within their day-to-day eating habits? Mm-hmm. So I really strive for balance. I say that word a lot. I should probably get it tattooed on my forehead. That's how much I say it. <laughs> but um, so we focus a lot on balance, including all foods, all everything. Like nothing, there's no rules, there's no limits. Um, cause that's when we run into murky water in my belief system, but it's, it's figuring out that the unconditional way that we can eat food and that we are almost our own monsters and creating our own rules and barriers sometimes when it comes to food. So figuring out how we can unlearn those things and then understand what balance means for us, because I could line up 10 of my clients and all of their eating styles and eating patterns would be very different and they should be very different. That's the whole point of being individual human beings. So it's figuring out balance in their world and in their lifestyle um, because someone who works a nine to five is going to be eating very different than a nurse who works 12 to eight and only you know, sleep during the day, like things that I've run into that are a struggle for me to coach through as well, because that's obviously tough for everyone. (laughs) Um, But figuring out what balance means and how we can implement that in not only the the pieces of food items that we're putting together, but also our, our day as a whole, our week as a whole, 
everything kind of in these different lenses of time. Food is really just, um, it involves so much and there's so much more, so many pieces to the puzzle that goes into eating and what we eat and how we feel that I think sometimes we overlook it. Uh, A meal plan, uh, a guide is helpful, but it's not necessarily going to fix all the troubles too. Yeah, it should not be the end all be all. That is that is my takeaway message with meal plans and macros and all of that stuff. <laughs> so when someone comes to you and they have they are macro counting and heavily into that, is that a struggle for them to let go? Yes, extremely hard. And it can take sometimes the first couple months, sometimes the first couple weeks. It depends on already how frustrated and detached they're already feeling from what they're doing because someone can start with me and feel like no I have a healthy relationship with my fitness pal like it's okay it's keeping me accountable and then figuring out and kind of inserting different their true belief systems at the core of it that they don't really realize in the beginning but that when they come on to that the next call and they're like I deleted the app (laughs) I, I always have to kind of throw my hands up and celebrate that because it's, it's a huge accomplishment. And sometimes it's all the time. It's really hard for us to let go of sometimes um, because we are so programmed to follow plans and numbers and structure. And we are like type A to a T And figuring out that that doesn't have to be the same way with food and exercise takes a long time. Um, Especially like someone like myself, I followed sports plans and all of that for soccer for 14 years, essentially. So unlearning that and knowing that what I eat today is different from tomorrow and they're still working together to meet my long-term health and fitness goals. That's a really cool realization to have. So what type of goals do you help uh, your clients kind of start off with combining the two of movement and food? Mm. So one of the first ones that we always tackle is actually water. (laughs) So not food or exercise related, but also related to both. Um, Because like 99% of people don't drink enough water. So That is, and it makes a really big difference and it makes a really quick difference, which is really nice in the beginning of a program to say, Hey, we're setting this goal. We're touching base next week. And then for them to hop on a call and say, yeah, I did it. And I'm feeling better already. That's really good positive reinforcement in the beginning of this journey for them. So it's usually water first. And then food wise, I would say most of the time it's actually eating breakfast. Cause that's something that a lot of people either don't do at all or don't do enough of like actual sustenance of breakfast. Um, so I would say that's probably two. And then exercise related, we have to figure out why, why they're connected to exercise. And if this is something post sport related, are we still playing your sport to some degree? Are we, still passionate about the sport are we turning a 180 and trying something completely different it's it's figuring out our purpose for movement again and 
why we do it and why we love it and why we're passionate about it and reconnecting those to our longer term goals. Let's say staying out of a wheelchair as long as possible, staying functional with fitness. Um, It's staying off prescription medications as long as we can, like fighting off diseases, all of these things that don't seem like they matter right now, but the actions and the steps that we take now actually do affect those long-term goals. So I would say definitely figuring out kind of our purpose for why we do everything on a daily basis and why we focus on health and well-being to begin with. It's not something that someone's necessarily holding our hand and forcing us to do. It's something that we want to do and there's a reason behind it. And that's what the motivation carries through as. I love hearing that because a lot of the times um, exercise can be used as, well, I need to do this for me, which that's great, but sometimes it gets carried away as you're still having those ideal ideals of going to the gym for an hour as, as like the checkmark box of, I still have to do that in order to make me feel good. <laughs> so how do you kind of balance yeah. those two out? Yeah. Um, I, I kind of call those conditionals. So getting, getting rid of the conditional relationship between exercise and our bodies and knowing that if, if you wake up on a Monday morning and you don't want to go to the gym and you're going to have a really crappy workout because you don't want to be there, you're not doing any good. Like I'm not from the belief system that all exercise is good exercise because if you're adding more stress and inflammation to your body, by forcing something, then no, you're not doing good. (laughs) You're doing the opposite. Um, So yeah, I think figuring out the, the conditionals that we might have with that relationship first and kind of breaking them and saying, I don't, if I don't want to go to the gym in the morning, I have to go to the gym in the morning. We can figure something else out or not even go to the gym at all. You can do a half an hour stretching session at home on your floor. And that is still very beneficial, arguably more beneficial sometimes because no one stretches. Yes, right? Yes. And as you get older, just wait. Uh, When you hit my age, it's like I have to do a little bit of strength training and stretching because otherwise uh, something will hurt the next day. (laughs) (laughs) Something is falling off. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know. It it starts early, so just be aware of that. (laughs) Oh, I am well aware. I'm only 27 and already dealing with like arthritic ankles and stuff so it's fine (laughs) shoot baby so yeah (laughs) you have a lot of fun stuff on instagram what are some things that really have brought people's attention um in your instagram Mm, i would say number one is the transparency um i am (laughs) i am very much uncomfortable being transparent, but it is a challenge I set for myself from day one of starting that social media page from scratch last year. Uh Um, and being open to being myself and who I am as a coach and my personality and showing the rawness and the realness of not photo editing everything and not not everything is posed and beautiful and sucked in and tight and 
you know, being more body neutral and inclusive with everything, but also being transparent with the messaging behind it and the captions as well saying like this, um, like my engagement pictures, for instance, that we had talked about before that I posted yesterday, I was terrified. I, I knew I was going to be behind a camera for a decent amount of time. And that's, my body image monster came up and was like, Oh, this is going to be fun. Let's mess around with this guy. And I, I was very real and raw in my caption talking about how my fiance, Josh was very helpful in that process and how it helped me come to another realization. Like I, I don't have to be fearful of this and I don't have to be quiet about it either because the more, the more transparent and the more real and raw I get and am comfortable getting there, the more people will reach out in DMs and say, I experienced the same thing or, Hey, I'm nervous about that too. I have my engagement pictures next week. Like, can you give me some tips? These connections that come out of the woodwork sometimes that is what social media is built for, right? It's like connection and um, networking and just understanding that everyone is coming from a different background, but we can also share so many things. Oh, thank you for sharing that. And I love that you like shine some light on that. Being honest and open with us that, hey, it still comes up. Even though you have gone through the process, uh, it, it can sneak up on you. What did you call that? The body image monster? The, mon- the, the body image monster. <laughs> yes, yes, it's true. Um, so what would you tell someone that does have kind of a bad day where that little monster creeps up? Mm-hmm. I think biggest message is not to fight it. So our our first instinct a lot of the time is like overthinking, overcomplicating. Why is this coming up? What's happening? Now I'm analyzing my life the past week, figuring out why this came back up. What's happening our first instinct is to analyze so we can problem solve, right? That's what we do as human beings evolutionarily. But it's, it's getting to a point where those monsters and the voices can come up and you can sit down and say like, okay, I hear you. I understand what's happening here. I'm not fighting you. I'm actually going to listen and understand where that's coming from and what you're underlying asking for. And hopefully get to a point where you can take action and honor what it is asking for, what your, your body or your mind or your spirit, whatever part of you is asking for, you can actually oblige and give to that give to yourself. Isn't that, that sitting down in quiet space and closing your eyes for 10 minutes and thinking through your thoughts and understanding that it's okay to have those thoughts, but not necessarily fighting them. That is so good. And such a beautiful picture too. And I just want to say you have rock star arms. I'm like, dang. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Which is a funny point also talking about body image because I went through middle school and high school being bullied because of my larger shoulders and called boulder shoulders and roid rage and yeah, you name it. Yeah. So it's, it's gotten to a point where I, I used to not work out arms at all. I was so scared to work out anything arm related because I was so fearful of getting bigger or looking bulky or uh, essentially like fulfilling what they were calling me to a degree. 
and healing that relationship and figuring out that like, I, I love that. I love being strong and I love being able to lift more than the guy next to me at the gym. Like that's so empowering and so cool. So getting to a point where I can sit here and feel comfortable with being like, yeah, my arms did look good. Thank you. <laughs> See, I always had the problem of, of big calves. So that's my troublesome. Like, no. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. So getting the, the extra wide boots, right? <gasps> I could never find them. They wouldn't even pull up. I, oh, when, yeah. when, when tall boots were in season. No, no, I could not. I could not do those. <laughs> Yes, I hear you. Uh, yeah, being a soccer player, also having, you know, large, larger legs yes. is just a struggle, especially finding jeans, too. Oh, I hate jeans. Yeah, I'm wearing, I'm finding yeah. jeans right now, but that's okay. Uh, my daughter called me bulky the other day, and I was like, what? You think I'm bulky? And she didn't understand that that could be in the light of a, maybe a bad connotation. And she's like, no, mm-hmm. I mean, you're strong. And I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> that is my mission and one of my purposes to promote body confidence and delete the diet culture so my girls never have to be in that light. So, yes, hopefully. Right? Really, like fingers fingers and toes, All everything is crossed because I just, I can't, I can't just live in this world anymore with we need to, we need to make changes. (laughs) I shouldn't say girls. I should say, I have a son too. So I should say kids, but thank you for Mm -hmm. leading that and shining that light, especially to younger women who have just come off, uh, maybe the, the sports variety in there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, where can people connect with you? They can connect with me on Instagram, of course. So that is actually, um, Sorry, I just changed it, so I'm getting used to it. <laughs> um, it's at Colby underscore chef dot dietitian dot trainer. So as I said before, everything chronological because that's the easiest way to explain it. <laughs> um, so yeah, Instagram. Um, there's some links in my bio on Instagram too. I have a, a former female athlete Facebook group um, that is totally free and open to anyone who wants to be a part of that. So that's a really cool space to be into. Um, I'm on Facebook just as me as a person. Um, so there's kind of a mix of like business stuff in there and personal stuff. Um, and then but the other ones that I spend a little less time on, but they still serve their purposes like LinkedIn and um, I'm on TikTok too, but that's more just for, for funsies. <laughs> but yeah. On your page, I love how it's the triad performance and it says eat, cook, and train. We did not get into the cooking part of it. And as a uh, trained professional chef, what type of cooking help do you provide? Mm, okay, yes. So the the eat, cook, train is why triad is called triad. So it's the, the three pillars of my triangle. And it's also a symbol of balance. And having everything in balance. Um, but yes, so cooking wise, I have an exclusive recipe bank that's accessible to all of my clients. Um, so if someone were to go on my website, you might have run into it too. You click on the recipe tab and it's actually password protected. So that is for the purpose of my 
my paying clients and my committed clients have access to that. And I add new recipes every single month to that. So it is just exponentially growing. Um, so they have access to all the recipes. They have access to cooking tips and guides and resources that I give in my program, like healthy kitchen swaps. Um, I have a grocery planner. I have um, shopping tips, eating out tips, like just everything food related. Um, but I do have aspirations. So when I get into our our new house, which we are in the middle of figuring out, <laughs> um, and I have my own kitchen again, I will be doing more like live cooking demonstrations, cook and learn. People can sign up for $5 or something like super small just to create a community of everyone cooking all together, like one set recipe or um, there's definitely more on the horizon from the, the cooking side of things. I just need a kitchen first. <laughs> I love that. Back to your uh, triple threat is just so helpful for everyone in need. Yes. Thank you so much. Do you have any other last takeaways uh, before we close here? Um, let's see. I think maybe biggest takeaway is just continuing to have conversations about these things. So athlete mindsets, um, perfectionism, our transition out of being female athletes, like the mental health side of things, all of, all of the, the aspects that I try to cover on social media and with my clients. But I think just the more that we can ask questions and be okay communicating and conversing about these topics is going to get easier. And the more we do it, I think the more helpful we can all be, regardless if you're in the profession or not. I still think it's good to have those connecting conversations because you never know if something that you say or can relate to is going to help someone else. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing all your expertise. And this is your true calling. You can clearly see that. <laughs> oh, thank you. I, yes. I definitely understand why I was feeling unfulfilled at the hospital. <laughs> I just love her message. And after we finished our talk, I told her, my heart is filled because there's another dietitian sharing how to find balance with food and movement and stress less about all those things we learn with diet culture. It's helping women ditch those all-or-nothing ways of restrictive eating and learn how to use food as fuel and enjoyment. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Be sure to follow and connect with Colby on Instagram. Thank you so much for joining us this week on the Daily Dietitian Podcast. <laughs>